A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the AEW Rampage Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by one of the Dudley boys, Michael Sidgwick from What Culture, to review everything that happened on this week's episode of AEW Rampage. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review AEW Rampage, but also AEW Dynamite, Raw, SmackDown, the show formerly known as NXT 2.0. Oh! Pay-per-views, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week complete with a video quiz, of course, on wrestle culture. As I said, though, joined by Michael Sidgwick to review. Hey, I just met you. And this is crazy. But here's my number. <laughs> Baby. <laughs> And Championship Friday, where every match has a belt on the line, may not include AEW championships. What did you make of it? Well. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm going to be nice about this a bit, right? Okay. But this was, right, imagine the most insane alternate universe imaginable, okay? Where Triple H books an AEW show. What? This, to me, really felt like a show that looked really good on paper, but benefited enormously in terms of how it was received. By the curve, that is, AEW Rampage. It was good, fine to good. I genuinely thought the consensus missed the mark, and this was wildly overrated. Oh, right. Like, I don't want to be a dick. I don't want to piss in your chips. I don't want to be the negative guy, because it was good. Mm -hmm. There's nothing to really find fault with. But I wonder if people were blinded by what they saw in the match graphics and if they were just hyped to see wrestlers who have been weirdly banished to the ROH sphere mm. and who finally got a chance to watch something more, you finally got a chance to watch them on something more high profile mm -hmm. um, in AEW as opposed to ROH because I was not blown away by any of this. There was one moment, right, and we talk a lot about feel versus think. Yes, there was one moment where I was so lost in it at lunch. Where I, went, oh. I went like this. I went, ah, oh. <laughs> that was fantastic. Literally one moment and one match. I thought I had sort of, not problems, because it wasn't terrible, nor was it this truly exhilarating over-delivery of a rampage of a, this is what it should be like. Mm. Um, I, I was annoyed on your behalf that this wasn't the one you went to. Because I was thinking, like, it's got kind of all the ingredients you want. We, you, you and I said, to really appreciate the likes of Vikingo and, and Commander in particular, you have to be there. 
because it's ridiculous yeah. the, the 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 heights that they reach. And obviously Shabata, it's it's one of those. Um, I think it's understandable if you're in attendance that you'd be like, oh, "Rampage is back." But yeah, I can get where you're coming from with with elements of this. Yeah, I just thought people have people are very excited to see. Willow Nightingale in a match that she's probably going to win, which people have been crying out for. So I absolutely have no problem with people getting up for this one as a result. And people were really excited to see Vikingo, ZSJ, and Shibata on Rampage. I thought it was fine. Well, I'll, I'll try and really analyze why, as opposed to just being so blunt and negative, because there's, yeah, I just didn't see the big deal. Let's get into it then. Uh, the show opened with that uh, three-way for the AAA Mega Championship. El Hijo del Vikingo, the champion. 500 days into his title reign, which means he's half as good as Roman Reigns. Uh, <laughs> Commander Andralistico. <sighs> um, there was a, I'm going to say, contrived uh, spot very early on where they're, I think they were all going for like crossbodies or something, but it just... I don't want to use this phrase because it's what bad faith actors use on social media, but it did just look like a gymnastics routine. It looked choreographed yeah. in the extreme. Um, but that was immediately followed by just mad flippy bollocks. So I was straight back into it. Uh, Drillistico sent them both to the outside, did the big running flip dive, and then uh, got Commander back in uh, and hit him with a springboard swanton. Um, Commander, this was ridiculous. This was, as, this was as bad as when Del Rio used to do it, I thought. Commander got... This is a visual thing, so stupid on a podcast, but you think you know what I'm going to do here. Hung up in the ropes. Yeah. Because he was just sat there in the ropes, holding on to the top rope, and then went, I'll just lean back a little bit so he can hit that double stomp. That was a bit bit much. But again, immediately after that, Vikingo comes in with a moonsault to the floor. I mean, that looked incredible. It looked amazing, yeah. Um, Vikingo hit that, is it called the implosion hurricane rana, yeah. where it looks like your body shouldn't be able to do that. Um, hit a Phoenix Splash, which he did, again, just, it's bad enough, you, you know, people saying, oh, you and Sid, you've never taken a bump in your life. Yeah, that's fair. We would never want to, <laughs> to be perfectly honest. But also, there's bits that I'm like, I know you've got Fight Forever coming out, but I don't understand. If you did that on Fight Forever, I'd go, well, that's a load of bollocks. Yeah. Well, that's literally physically impossible. The Phoenix Splash, he was on the outside of the ropes, if that makes sense, and somehow faced the wrong way and just came back in. It's ridiculous what that like can do. It's incredible. JR was so impressed, he didn't make a sexist comment for once, although he may have done later. I just don't know. I didn't detect it. Uh, He offered the winner some barbecue sauce. Commentary. Jesus Christ. So Jim. you know you must be doing well if he's saying that. Um, a corkscrew kick near fall from Vikingo took us to break. When we come back, uh, oh, sorry, during the break, Jalistico sets up a table with the help of Jose, the assistant. That's what he's there for. Um, Commander went for this springboard Hurricane Rana. It didn't really nail it, but Jalistico spilled out to the floor. Um, Commander follows them out there um, with that rope walk moonsault, which is a joy to behold. Um and then when they get back in, uh, Commander hit a rope walk 450 on Drillistico. They got broken up by a double stomp from Vikingo off the top. Vikingo takes Commander Town with an inverted Hurricane Rana, and then they're both set up on the table, but Drillistico moves at the last second. Nevertheless, Vikingo hits a insane 630 springboard senton through Commander, through a table, gets back in there, or gets hoyed back in there by Drillistico, but he counters a powerbomb with a Hurricane Rana and a Cradle. One, two, three. He retains his title. Uh, this is uneven for me. At its worst, this was kind of sloppy. There was one 
move that commander did. Yeah, and, and, I, and, I, Ronnie, yeah. and I was like, what? Like, there's Hurricane Ron. I'm thinking, what have you done there? <laughs> you did not get all of it. Yes. I don't even know if you got some of what you were trying, which I don't even know what that was. Vaguely, I think it was a Hurricane Ron. It did not look good at all. Um, some like every three way has some turn taking contrivance, and there was one where I think Vikingo just kicked Drillistico off the apron in mm-hmm. the head to try and get him to break up a move, and it just bereft of like drama and mm-hmm. this breathless. Oh, he's gonna win if he doesn't get there. Ah, uh, he just kicked him out of the ring. And I thought it was just disjointed as a result. Yeah. It didn't surge with this sort of relentless momentum and this maelstrom of excitement. It just kind of existed and it took their turns to do things. Um, Commander stuff looked very iffy at times, but awesome at others. Yeah. It's just not the finished article. And when you're in there with a luchador who is outclassing you indirectly and in this case directly, it just... Well, you said as part of it when they signed these guys that they shouldn't have done them all at the same time. Yeah, exactly. Um, I tell you what, though, they produced the commander rope walk spot better than they ever have. Yeah, here. they're listening. Mu- yeah, I must point out that production because it was brilliant. They captured the full arc of it. It looked so much more impressive than it does with the usual three cuts. Um, they did a one cut at the end, which I wasn't happy with. And then, <laughs> and then they showed the whole thing, the whole sequence in one replay uninterrupted, mm-hmm. and it just looked 10 times better. So I hope that's a, a trend going forward. But again, everything Vikingo did looked incredible, and he outclassed both wrestlers mm-hmm. in the match. Yeah. Um, that moonsault to the outside, like he just hit this impossible height and then just flattened the guy who took it. And if everything in this match looked as good as that, I'd be raving about it, but it was just uneven and a bit disjointed for me. I um, watched this, and all I thought was, good God, what would they do if... Put Vikingo in a Darby Allen in a match. Yeah. Jesus Christ. I mean, that would be incredible. Um, I watched this, and my main thought, and it's, I have too many thoughts like this, <laughs> was how good is Kenny Omega? Yeah. Like, how good is Kenny Omega to make every Vikingo spot look incredible, to base for him so incredibly well? Like, this man was getting into position for Vikingo's offense, like, in plain sight, because he looked panicked. Mm. about what was going to happen to him and the way he just structured Vikingo's stuff and allowed it to escalate and build to this breathless crescendo of drama. The man is a genius, and it's only when he's not in there do you realize just how good he is. Um, I didn't... This was too... There were too many moments here where my immersion was broken to the point where when Vikingo does perform his, like, mind-blowing offense. I just didn't get the same thrill. Um, Unfortunately, you can't book Kenny Omega versus everyone (laughs) in pro wrestling, which is a shame. But, yeah, this was fine for what it was. Um, Maybe a bit too contrived. And I'm very lenient usually as well. Intrigued to see what you might have made of what came next because we got a recap of Aubrey Edwards' checks notes doing her job, uh, but obviously in the eyes of uh, Planet Jarrett, screwing them out of everything. So the the previous matches where it's happened and then obviously the guitar shot from Double or Nothing. Um, and they're getting interviewed, uh, being asked about potential suspensions off the back of all this. And Jeff's like, no, nah, there's nothing's going to happen there. Um, it's, there's a conspiracy, blah, blah, blah. In comes Mark Briscoe, simmer down, he simmer says. Down. Um, even tells Jay Lethal to shut up. I love how he said, shut up, Jay Lethal. Yeah. 
In WWE, it's bad, but in AEW, it's good. Yeah, especially no, no, no. in WWE, it's bad. When Mark Briscoe does it, it's good. That's right. the rule that I'm going to apply to my critique of this. I agree. Um, so that whilst Briscoe's in there, in comes Aubrey Edwards and <laughs> gets into it, starts brawling with Karen Jarrett. It's, it's, what is it? There's only thing, the only thing in between is his air and opportunity, and then they go. And then they, 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 by the way, did Aubrey Edwards initiate this? Did she grab her first? Just went straight for the throat. <laughs> what did you make of it? I kind of hate it, but I enjoyed it at the same time, if yeah. that makes any sense. I hate the idea that there's a referee who's going to potentially wrestle. kind of hate the idea that it's not <coughs> like kept separate. You're interfering with my precious sanctity of how a emulated sport should go. They are kind of taking the piss with this overbooked TNA malarkey yeah. at this point, but it's a really fun and entertaining version of it. In no way, in a promotion like AEW, or what it used to kind of try to uphold, should you see stuff like this going on, but the physical comedy was so good that I sold for it involuntarily. Yeah. I was just laughing. I Yeah, I was the same. I was like, are you going to do a match off the back of this question mark? And then I thought... Well, hang on a second, Adam. Be fair. When that dra graphic drops and it's the Jarrett's, Jeff and Karen versus Mark Briscoe and Aubrey Edwards, I'm going to be counting the yeah. minutes till dynamite. I'm abandoning my standards and principles because I enjoy this so much. That's fair. Like, this is the equivalent, right, of I hate special guest referees. The uh, The concept and the principle behind them is so stupid and yet that match in Vegas was so much fun. Yeah. And Mark Briscoe's so great. You can't have your officials and your talent in a feud wrestling. You can't have an official deal. It's stupid, but it's too entertaining mm. at present for me to pretend I don't hate it. Mm. Because to pretend that I hate it. Because part of me thinks it's really funny and entertaining. <laughs> um, it's the equivalent of, all right, okay, they're doing an impromptu match on Dynamite. Uh, yeah, but it's CM Punk versus Kenny Omega. Okay. <laughs> it's the one thing you'll do to get me into this sort of thing. But in general, I really hope this is a one and done. Mm. I kind of hate the... On principle, I hate that it's happening. I'm sure that there won't be uh, any adverse reaction on social media to this either. I, I feel sorry for what Aubrey Edwards is getting into. But then again, that poor woman has had so much undeserved hate yeah. that it's probably, hopefully, water off a duck's back at this point. Took perverse joy with what came next. I've got really nothing against Action Andre, but I do like to see Zack Sabre Jr. torturing people. Uh, and that's exactly what I did here for the uh, New Japan TV title. Um, yeah, the story of this match was Zack Sabre Jr. is Zack Sabre Jr. And he's not doing any of that flippy bollocks, that's for sure. He's going to ground his opponent and he is going to just contort every limb that you offer to him until, well, as you saw, he gets the submission victory whilst Action Andre is going to try and break away from that and do some high-flying stuff. Um, I mean, the story of the match was exemplified early on where I think he got him in a wrist lock and Andretti had to try four different ways of getting out of yeah. it because he's an octopus, he's Zack Sabre Jr. So he gets away, he hits a springboard tornado for a near fall, sends him to the floor uh, with a springboard Hurricane Rana, uh, dives onto him, um, but... Any opportunity he gets, you give him a second and he'll tie you up in the ropes with an armbar like Zach did uh, and then sent him down to the map, just yanking on his arm. Uh, he works over his arm, just 
nails it with some forearms in the corner, puts him in a hammerlock, a body scissors. Uh, Andretti manages to get out of it, though, with a suplex. Hits a springboard kick. That gets a near fall. But then Sabia targeting the arm again, kicks Andretti. That t- he takes over there. Uh, but Andretti fires back with a jumping Inseguri and a, an avalanche Hurricane Rana for a near fall. Uh, Andretti picks, I love this spot, Saber up for like a torture rack. And Saber just goes, well, whilst I'm up here, grabs him in a choke. Uh, Andretti has to hit a super kick and a poison Rana to get a two count. Shotgun drop kick, split-legged moonsault, gets another near fall. He comes off the ropes of the springboard, but Sabre just yanks him out of the air with an armbar. Uh, he targets the uninjured arm, and then as soon as he gets the other one involved with it and his legs, he can't go anywhere. He ha- kind of has to submit. Zack Sabre Jr. retains the New Japan TV title. Love the verbal submission here and the way that he sort of manoeuvred himself into it. That was vintage ZSJ. Incredible stuff. Really good finish. Um, I've got two, three main points to make, right? One, Zack Sabre Jr. is incredible. Yep. He makes a bump feel like a bump more so than any of the wrestlers with the way that he works. It feels like an achievement to get him off his feet. And because he knows this and he knows his character and his style inside out, when he takes a bump, it feels like, ooh, you shouldn't be hitting the canvas. Yeah. yeah. That really hurts because he's so rarely taken off his feet. He actually isn't. He just has this incredible knack of making it feel that way with, again, this, this structure of a match that he's mastered in the style. Point two. I have seen... This is a structurally identical match to about 100 other Zack Sabre Jr. matches that I've watched and thought were better. Mm-hmm. So that didn't really help it at all. And the whole point is when Zack Sabre Jr. sells and is on his back or is bumped onto his back, it does feel like a huge deal almost every time. So when Action Andretti, again, yeah, I think he's too green to be on telly as often as he has. I think they've learned their lesson, hence why he's not as prominent on Dynamite. But when he's doing an aerial when you finally get ZSJ down to perform a move on him, it should be a big deal in the context of the match. And then he just collides knee first with the canvas and just just about presses his torso against the abdomen. And it just doesn't feel like yeah. ZSJ has been winded. It just feels like, if anything, you've hurt your knees doing that. <laughs> it's never that impactful or precise, and it just takes me out of it. Three, I said this on the preview, I think especially in the wake of this weekend's big Forbidden Door announcement, it bears repeating. If you'd said to me last year, right, Sidgwick, you've got two choices for the Danielson match at Forbidden Door, and this is before anything's announced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's either Danielson versus Okada or Danielson versus Zack Sabre Jr. I'd have, like, an existential crisis. <laughs> I'd, I'd thought, oh, they're both brilliant for different reasons. I don't know which one I'd lean towards. I'd want to see both. Genuinely, like... Danielson Okada feels monumental. It feels like such a massive match to the point where, because of my stupid brain and the anxious way in which it works, my first thought was, all right, I'm going to be disappointed by this because I can't allow myself to have nice things. (laughs) They, They might because they both can take the slow burn route. They might run out of time and then it only gets interesting towards the end. That's the only viable, feasible way that that match can be anything less than this incredible classic. That's how good that match... That means that I'm scared of how good it could be. Yeah. 
And the idea of doing Danielson versus Zack Sabre Jr. or Danielson versus Okada this year, it's night and day mm. in terms of my interest. And I just feel like if Tony Khan had been a little bit more disciplined and not tarnished Zack Sabre Jr. with the ROH stink at this point, it's not a stink because it's not bad. It just exists. It's like if you appear in front of that Ring of Honor backdrop, unless you're Athena... For me, you just feel like normalized, you mm. feel relegated, you feel like you're just there and we might as well use you. And I think it's genuinely bad promotion in the old-fashioned sense where if he just decided again to say, look, Zach, I know you're available over here. I'm saving you for something f far more significant than Ring of Honor because if I book you for Ring of Honor too often, you'll feel like this weird part of the furniture that's kind of there and isn't at the same time. And... If you built Zack Sabre Jr. as a contemporary, like Danielson's closest peer in his career, and you did this by using his absence as opposed to his presence, that match could be massive. By virtue of making a handful of appearances in Ring of Honor, you lessen yeah. the dreamlike yeah. scope of that match. It's another problem with Ring of Honor. There was another point I wanted to make as well. Yes, this was the first of three consecutive matches in which the story was older genre mainstay teaches younger inexperienced opponent a lesson. So you've got ZSJ, Emi Sakura, and Shibata, albeit different stylistically, approaching the match in a very similar way mm -hmm. and doing that three times on the bounce was not a good idea for my personal enjoyment of the show. You talk about Forbidden Door there and we always get asked about British wrestlers being on All In and I'll just reiterate what we always say. AW fans in the UK have paid to go and see an AW show, not to see their favourite British stars. Obviously, you put people like Osprey hopefully on that card, but they shouldn't just get an automatic pass to go on that card. I love Zack Sabre Jr., um, maybe coloured slightly by the fact that he was just a lovely bloke to work with in WCPW, I have to say. But would you put him all, all in? Because would an element of that, that, you know, uh, footballers say defenders at, at set pieces have to be touched tight to their opponents, and that sort of applies to Zack Sabre Jr.'s yeah. working style. Would that translate to Wembley Stadium for you? Well, that's a great, great question. Um, look, he's... I've watched a lot of capital G, capital W, good wrestling in the WrestleMania context. It's never really worked because mm. it's it's so intricate. And I personally, I was blessing God for the presence of Excalibur on this broadcast because in terms of the real sort of the minutiae of technical strategy, when he's talking about ZSJ and particularly Shabata, I just get so much more out of it than I would if Michael Cole, for example, was calling <laughs> the action. So you he rapped on SmackDown, Michael Cole. Are you kidding? Nope. Top Dollar did a diss track on the OC and he was cherry picking some of his favorite lines. So you really missed out on that one. Oh, Jesus Christ. So, yeah, I mean, does the hometown bows and support extend to a match that tends to play better. Look, I've watched ZSJ in really strong New Japan houses kill it time and time again. But Wembley's different. This and fan base be a, might be different. It could be a, a nice sort of palate cleanser if they're doing lots of 
mad stuff. Yeah. Just have a look. Well, Soraya's going to get a slot, almost guaranteed. Yeah, a recovered Jamie Hayter might get a slot. Hopefully, she recovers in time. Yeah. Pack's probably going to get something. They are heavily insinuating that McGuinness versus Danielson's going to happen. At this point, like a third of the card yeah. is like British fan service, which I don't think is the way forward personally. But it's that same thing that torments me with AEW in general. Yeah. Oh, you should sign that person. Or you've got far too big a roster, but you can't say no to Jay White. We were saying this last year. You can't say no to Keith Lee. Mm. Um, so God knows. Um, he's signed so many talents and has access to so many talents that he's given himself too many selection headaches. I don't envy him ahead no. of this all in, but at the same time, I just want the most over and worthy acts on the show. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear and t-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am, but Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Now, you said yourself when you went to see uh, Dynamite the other week in, in Las Vegas, and then obviously the, the Ring of Honor bit before it, and then Rampage, and then more Ring of Honor, that it can be a bit of an exhausting experience. It was lovely to see, uh, no matter how drained this audience might have been, and they could have been after that, because this is the same crowd that... San Diego, San Diego crowd from from Dynamite that was just white hot the whole show. Probably four hours in at this point. Yeah, <clears throat> just nice to see Willow Nightingale getting the appropriate reaction. I would have reacted to her when I was asleep. Yeah, she's just it, it, this. It's indescribable the sort of aura she has. You know, we talk about wrestlers like Shibata, for example, having this aura. It's a very different kind of aura, but it is just like everything's going to be all right, guys. Yeah. Willow Nightingale's here, so she comes down, she's facing Emi Sakura, of course. This is her first title defense of the New Japan Strong Women's title, I believe. That I've seen. Uh, since she, well, sorry, since she, of course, won it from Mercedes. Money. 
money. Get well soon, of course, to her. Um, there's a shoulder tackle battle to start the match off. Um, they're fighting on a, an attempted suplex on the ring apron. Sakura uses an eye poke to, to take advantage. Sends Nightingale to the floor with a crossbody, then throws her into the barricade to take us to a break. When we come back, um, Nightingale hits a shotgun drop kick uh, off the middle rope for a near fall. Sakura comes back with a sort of crossroads. I don't know what that move was technically called, but it looked a little bit like a crossroads. Um, and then hit a sort of twisting Vader bomb for a near fall. Uh, Nightingale comes back with a low crossbody. Uh, Sakura tries for a, a cradle. Nightingale powers out. Sakura came back with a J-driller. Um, but Nightingale hits her with that great pounce. Oh, my God. And I mean... <laughs> Sorry. Not wrong way. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That was great. Um, cannonball in the corner. Um, she uh, just gets really fired up. Like, she's a lovely person, but don't piss her off. Uh, and eventually, <coughs> she's just like, I've had enough of this. Huge lariat to Emi Sakura uh, and a doctor bomb. Means Willow Nightingale retains the New Japan Strong Women's Championship. Uh, my favorite match of the night, this. Yeah. I can't believe that Shabbat was on it, and I didn't really feel that much for it. But I felt a lot for this. Um, that barricade spot of Sakura's is tremendous. It looks so gnarly yeah. and impactful that I always think so much more of the wrestler for firing back up when the baby face does that in reaction to that. The goddamn pounce was unbelievable. Like, I didn't, I thought she was going to go for a forearm or a spear, and she's just sent her several feet in the air with this pounce. Always comes so close to just nailing the back of the head on the bottom rope. Oh, it? God, I, it just looked so disturbingly like a near miss yeah. just looked fantastic looked like she was fighting for her life elsewhere it was fine but that pound spot made the match for me because it felt like she just put so much behind it and she registered how great it was herself with her body language that it felt like she was in the fight of her life when really she kind of wasn't mm. but i elevated the match immeasurably for me and the finish was fine decisive it was the best match on the show, and I had it down as merely good to very good. Yeah. Like, am I being too harsh on this rampage, or did I let the expectations get in the way? No, I think I think that's fair. I think often we come in with very low expectations for rampage because, you know, we can sit here on a Friday, and in theory, we could do our preview in five minutes because I'll go, well, she's not going to drop the title to Sakura in her first defense, yeah. and Zach's not going to lose to Action Andretti and Shibata and blah, blah, blah. But also, the other side of that is, oh, my God, we get this match, this match, yeah. this match, and these people who, like you say, we haven't seen for ages if you're not watching Ring of Honor or whatever it may Probably be. Probably done better work in Ring of Honor. Yeah. I can, I in can't, fact, I know Shibata, Shibata Wheeler was 10 times better than the main event here. Yeah, I, I think... I watched, sorry, Zack Sabre Jr. and Rocky Romero. That was better than... Yeah. You know, I think it's just the AEW branding is... I suppose it's a good thing that... People think that something happening in AEW is automatically better. It speaks to the strength of the brand yes. and the trust that people have in it and the love they have for it. But ultimately, if you've been watching Ring of Honor, and frankly, I've not been watching that much, no. you kind of know what to expect. And if anything, your expectation should have been higher. Mm. But the reset, yeah, the reception of this episode of Rampage was baffling. I can only surmise that people have just completely stopped watching and were pleasantly surprised. Maybe. All, all they got worked by some match graphics. <laughs> uh, we get the usual Excalibur run through of Dynamite and what have you. 
um, and find out that the next Ring of Honor pay-per-view, Death Before Dishonor, is going to go down July 21st in Trenton, New Jersey. So that's something to look forward to. Uh, and then we get a great video package um, reminding of just how awesome Shabbat is. Lee Moriarty, of course, in the main event, challenging him for the Ring of Honor Pure Championship. Uh, but before we get there... going to be transferred over to collision do you think because we're stopping watching rampage after next week probably um certainly stop reporting on it because collision is going to take priority it'll be interesting to see what mark henry does or what he does or if he does anything they're paying him a lot of money to do now (laughs) they he's doing a lot backstage we always say that yeah yeah the announcing situation's interesting um jim ross might get it Uh, rampage if nothing else, will be a pseudo-developmental, um, which ROH is meant to be. I don't know what the hell's going on. But maybe Mark Henry can have another stab of commentary. Maybe Paul White can do commentary for Rampage going forward. I've Daddy Magic on there as well. I love him. Potentially, yeah. Um, I Mark Henry's. It's an easy job. <laughs> maybe he's earned it after WWE... Imagine if they'd just done his 2011 run the second they started to get good. Yeah. And they actually did something with conviction. They actually realized what they had in people beforehand. Hey, be nice, Sid. You know, they're always very appreciative of their legends. Like the last time we saw him in WWE and he had that, I think he had an operation on his leg. Yeah. And Randy Orton was just like, you're a knobhead. Uh, all right, see you later. That, I think that was it. That's my memory of it. And I yeah. don't think I'm that wrong with no. that. Uh, right, Ring of Honor Pure Championship. I always enjoy these matches because I inexplicably forget every time. Oh, yeah, there's all the added rules yeah, that yeah. go with this. Um, so it's Lee Moriarty versus Shibata. I think we talked about this on the preview, that you and I would rather get our head kicked in by Brock Lesnar than Shibata because you kind of know what to expect and you can just kind of go limp, whereas Shibata's just going to torture you. And I'll, I'll give credit to Moriarty here. He didn't half put a cross of like, all right, well, I've got these three, using the who wants to be a millionaire catchphrase here, but... Three lifelines in my back pocket. If he is, you know, really hurting me, I can use the rope breaks. And he burnt through them all and was suddenly like, well, that's it then. Yeah, um, yeah I think he used his first one like 30 seconds <laughs> into this match. Um, yeah, three rope breaks, no close fist strikes, 20 count, judges, etc., etc. Um Moriarty gets Shabata there with a drop kick to the knee and targets that as we go to a break. When we come back, Shabata says enough of all that bollocks, puts him in a figure four, uh, and Moriarty uses his second rope break. Uh, a diving drop kick from Shabata, as they remind us that he had his brain removed. Um, <laughs> gets some more offense on uh, Lee Moriarty, gets suplex out of the corner for a near fall. Um, he has to use a third rope break, but in the moment, uh, uses it to counter and put Shabata in a border city stretch. Um, Shabata gets out of it with a cradle, gets hit with a forearm. I always get scared still. You know, Shabata knows what he can, can and can't do nowadays. Yeah. But I always think, oh God, one errant forearm and we could be having a very different conversation here. But clearly he's like, no, lay it in, Lee. Um, but Shabata's had enough now. He puts Moriarty in a sleeper. That's it. He's out. But Shabata is such a... Sadistic bastard at times. He uh, s- props up a semi-conscious, let's say, Lee Moriarty. Hits him with the uh, PK. Looked great. Looked so good. And the noise was just just amazing. He gets the one, two, three. Um, I'd love to know your thoughts on the match. 
And, of course, the post-match, because here comes... We're doing the dance. Uh, here comes Daniel Garcia uh, to face off and confront Shibata, uh, who's holding the pure championship, of course. Love the idea of that match. I love the idea of Garcia realising and touching base with the wrestler within and how that could have ramifications on his sort of years-long arc at this point. I like the idea of that more than the execution of this main event on Rampage, which for me... Um, I've lowered my expectations of what a Shibata match looks like in 2023, and I can still really enjoy them accordingly. I love how he just treated Wheeler Yuta like a piss splash <laughs> who needs to train way harder and improve immeasurably to stand a chance of beating him. Bully heel veteran Shibata putting young technical prodigies in their place is a great bit if you can't have the full gung-ho main event Shibata, which you can't. This didn't really feel like that to me. It just felt like edited, and I don't necessarily mean that they had this great match in the building that they condensed to 10 minutes in post-production on Rampage. It just felt like certain bits of the story were missing. Mm. So it's gone from Shibata getting his leg worked over, to Shibata kind of doing his greatest hits house show sequence, yeah. if you like, with the... It all looks great. Like, that drop kick to the corner, Still, it's still one of those moves where it's like, how have you not got a black eye? Yeah. How is your, like, no orbital bone not been broken here? It's so incredible. And then they do the PK and the sleeper. It just felt so sudden to go from one element of the story to Bitty, the next. Yeah. Bitty, disjointed almost. Um, ah, finish came out of nowhere. Didn't feel like Moriarty had made some, I guess because he'd used the rope breaks, <clears throat> that he had made a tactical error. But he didn't like reach for the ropes. Then Shibata went, no, 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 can't do that. Here, get a kick in the chest. I'll give your chest in and I'll choke you out. It just felt like, oh, hang on, we've only given ourselves 10 minutes to play with here. Let's rush through the story. Mm. Um, Shibata's greatest hits looks fantastic but the aura has gone a bit you like it didn't feel that way at supercard it felt at supercard watching on tv certainly that yes the aura is gone he's not as explosive he doesn't feel as dangerous obviously like either on offense or on defense that he's as snug and as stiff as any wrestler ever that's gone but he still had that intimidation factor. It still felt like the opponent was in trouble, even if they're probably going to get an easier ride than they would have in 2017 or 2016. But the uh, but he's still smoking mirrors, knowing when to do things, how to carry himself. It still felt like it didn't matter if he wasn't yeah. 2017 Shibata. That felt like it was uh, um, evaporating slightly throughout this match for me. It was a bit... ah. I know, I just didn't really like it that no, much. No, I'm, I'm with you on that, because I, I'm going to sound like a hypocrite here, because if we'd have had Lee Moriarty getting 20 near falls, I'd have said, well, it's pointless, this. There's an air of inevitability anyway about this match, particularly with Shibata and the title being on the line and what have you. But I, I'm, and at the same time, I would have liked Lee Moriarty to get a little bit more. I suppose he got the Border City stretch, so maybe I'm just nitpicking here. I just I saw loads of raves for this. And I think, personally, that a lot of people are just still genuinely delighted for the man mm. and not 
exhilarated and wowed and awestruck by the man's performances. That's fair. I don't know, maybe I was just, maybe I'm spoiled. Maybe I was tired. <laughs> maybe I just wasn't very appreciative. But again, this just this card looked better on paper than I, I, I had a better time anticipating the show than I did um, experiencing it. What have I missed? What was the big deal? I genuinely, I don't know. Am, I just, know. Be, am I just being a moody bastard? <laughs> let us know uh, on Twitter. Let us know your thoughts on this whole show. Uh, at What Culture WWE Watch. They can follow both of us. You can follow Michael Sidgwick at M. Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at What Culture WWE, as I said. Make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from. For daily wrestling podcasts, the SmackDown review with myself and uh, Michael Hamlet is available right now. And me, Sidgwick and Hamlet, will be back later on today to preview Monday Now Raul. But right. for now, now, this has been the AW Rampage Review. My thanks to Michael Sidgwick. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you soon. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.